Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NFL. Breeze steps up in the pocket, throws one, has a man. Jared Cook at the 10, five touchdowns! Jared Cook, what a way to make your first appearance, and the Saints are one away from tying this one up. Emmanuel Sanders motions. Now, Taysom around the right edge. He's going to walk into the end zone. Taysom Hill from nine yards out for the touchdown. Three by one to the left, tailback to his right. Takes a gun snap. Saints bring pressure, quick throw near side. Caught and take it down short of midfield. He's not going to get to the first down marker, and the Saints defense ends this game. Marshawn Lattimore with a big tackle on the catch by Mike Williams. Saints come from 17 down. They rally to beat the Chargers in Monday Night Football, 30-27 in OT. Here at the Taysom Hill game-tying touchdown there. That's a good win for the Saints, but is it just me or they still don't look right? The Saints not look like the Saints, not look as explosive. I wouldn't put them right there on the elite level. The Packers obviously not playing this week at Seattle. Oh, we're just talking exclusively NFC because those are the teams you have to beat to get the Super Bowl, obviously. So I would agree that they're not at that level right now. And things do change over the course of the season, although Drew Brees won't get any younger. But he finished with 325 yards passing. They did a pretty good job of documenting how he's not taking as many deep shots. And you got to wonder how much of that is what the defense is dictating, because you don't see a lot of that on TV necessarily. Once in a while they give you a replay of a big wide shot. How much of that is the defense dictating and how much of it is his arm strength? And that's just where he is now in his 40s. Well, I think, you know, DJ, if you listen to our station, there's plenty of things that can help you be younger. (laughs) Okay. You're right. (laughs) But I don't know if that's going to help Drew Brees recapture what he had five years ago. Maybe it will, though. You never know. Worth a shot. All right, that was Monday Night Football. Now, get ready for Tuesday Night Football. Action? No, not Maction. The Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans. Okay, they don't sound like the best teams, but put the brand name aside and just look at the way they've started this year. Buffalo is 4-0. Tennessee is 3-0. This is a big game. Doesn't sound like it, but it is. I agree. 5 o'clock tonight on CBS if you want to watch the Bills and the Titans. Uh, also, the Dallas Cowboys saying that Dak Prescott, even though he's done for the year, he's still the franchise quarterback. Stephen Jones, executive vice president and son of Jarrah. He's our future. He's special. If anyone can overcome anything, it'll be Dak. As some of their doctors feel good, he'll overcome and come back better than ever. So, Dak sure. Prescott, the future. Why is that in doubt? Because it looked really bad, I guess. And because it's the Cowboys and there's always drama around the Cowboys. Would this be as big a deal if it were, you know, the Titans or the Bills? Who are undefeated, but not the brand name. The well, Cow- to them Cowboys it would are. be. Maybe yeah. not to the nation in right. NFL football, but and to them it would be. I think you hit the nail on the head right there. Atlanta Falcons owner Arthur Blank expressed admiration for quarterback Matt Ryan, but was non-committal on the former MVP being the future of the franchise as they look for a new GM and a new head coach. 
Matt has the ability to play at a very high level, even at this age. Whether that's going to continue or not, I'm not sure. I appreciate his willingness to consider doing that in the level of what he's played for us for 13 years, which has been incredible. We'll have to see. No reason for the owner to wade in too deep to that. Let the GM and the coach decide when you hire the, the new people to run the franchise. Well, Matt's 35, so this is natural. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I even think for the great ones at 35, it's not, it's not like it can't be done that he can continue to play very well. Uh, but at 35, I mean, this this is just the nature of this business, man. When you get to get in your 30s, the teams, that they would not be doing their due diligence if yeah. they didn't start, start thinking about replacements. That's why the Jordan Love thing was deemed as so outrageous. But nevertheless... They've got to look towards the future, and in the case of uh, Aaron Rodgers drafting Jordan Love, obviously a little fire under him. I think the new GM and the new coach will come in. Well, the coach will come in probably with three years, and the GM will come in with five. So Ryan could be their guy, and to worry beyond that might be ridiculous. You know, Do they think he can do it at 37, 38, 40? I guess the one thing with all these quarterbacks, Roethlisberger, Rodgers, um, you know, Breeze and Brady, as they play into their late 30s at a really high level, play into their 40s, but play into their 30s at an incredibly high level. Uh, you know, you can look at Russell Wilson at 31, and the Seahawks can think, oh, yeah, five years? He's our guy. We'll worry about that when he gets to 36. So they, they've pushed back the expiration date a little bit. Yeah, it's up to the individual. I'm just I, I just like that Arthur uh, Arthur Blank dropped a God willing. Oh, he did. Yeah, at the end of his quote, uh, part of it will be up to the coaching staff whether or not Matt can keep himself together. God willing, he'll be able to do that and play at that level that he's capable of playing at. God willing, that's a big New Jersey expression, right? Could you walk down the street for five minutes and not have someone drop God willing on you? And I knew someone, uh, still do actually. Served the Latter Day Saint in uh, mission in Italy, and she came back. and I dropped a God willing once, mm-hmm. and she said she heard that forty five times a day. <laughs> <laughs> DJ and PK. Hashtag College Football. I don't care anything about hype. I just want to play our best, and then it doesn't really matter about rankings and all the the, you know, the criticism or the praise. It doesn't matter. Those are all distractions. We try to get back on it with our guys, and the only answer we can I can give you right now is to work hard. And when guys start thinking about all the other stuff, those are just distractions. We we label them as distractions, good and or bad, and, and the focus is just purely on trying to fix what we made with the mistakes that we made in UTSA, and then getting to Houston and making sure that we're answer that game Friday night that we're going to be at our best. That's Kalani Sataki. How many different coaches have you heard in your career utter some version of that right there, PK? You get to the point where you know there's criticism, you know there's praise, you also know if you win by 40, you're going to get praised. And if you drop the ball three times in the fourth quarter on the ground, even if you recover most of them, they recover all of them. I guess they recovered all of them, didn't they? Yeah, they recovered all three of them. Uh, even if, But if you drop it three times, you're going to get criticized, even if you win. Well, it's uh, funny that you bring that up. It's funny that Yach picks that soundbite because I'm about to send over to him my weekly submission that I write for a couple of websites, and that's the lead quote. <laughs> it's uh, something that you have to deal with. Yesterday. So that, yeah, and that's I obviously I listened to it yesterday and thought, okay, what am I going to write this week? Bingo, <laughs> that was it. 
and I wrote up a piece last night watching the football and baseball, and it's done, and I reread it this morning and made a couple of changes to copy edit it, and I'm about ready to send it over because that is the pertinent thing that's involving this program. This game here is the, obviously, Brady Christensen said it too yesterday, the most important of the season, and I think that it is the most important in Kalani Sataki's tenure because he needs to generate a buzz, and this is this season is the opportunity to do that. And if you lose, not only is it one loss, but in a way it's four losses because it destroys the credibility of the other wins, whether you like it or not. And Kalani, I agree with what you're saying, but it's too bad. This is something that we're going to focus on, and there's really nothing you can do about it. This We're going to talk about this game, and the program is ranked 14th. When was the last time that it had been ranked 14th? And I realize there's a couple of justifications to the ranking. There's three. is that they're 4-0 on its own merit. One, they're 4-0 because they didn't play the other schedule. And then the third thing is they're ranked 14th because a lot of teams haven't played yet. But nevertheless, they've created buzz around the program. So Kalani, I think, is growing a little bit irritated by the question because it keeps getting phrased and rephrased. But the essence of the question is exactly the same. How's your program going to handle all this love and attention that it's getting? Which is actually a good thing. And I know football coaches don't want distractions. But in this case, this means that you're getting this question because you're in this position. So it's a good thing. I recognize and respect how he wants to handle it by ignoring it, but the rest of us aren't going to ignore it. Houston is a hurdle this Friday, and then it's three weeks to the Broncos. Three weeks to the Smurf turf, the blue turf in Idaho, and another hurdle. And we're all going to talk about it until it happens. Yes, and if you want that game to mean something more than just an individual game, and every game means something, you need to win Friday because then you've got uh, uh, Texas State. Yep. And Texas State, you should win easily. They're known for having Paul Goldschmidt go to their school, and he's a great baseball player. And then Western Kentucky, as you know, they're known for having Clem Haskins go to that program. Do you remember that? No. <laughs> Look it up. Oh, I trust. Uh, so you should win both of those games. Yes. And, that, and then that sets up the opportunity to beat Boise. Be 7-0 and going to the blue turf, but you got to be Houston. Yeah. All right, that's yeah. the Cougars. That's the Cougars. As far as the Utes, Jalen Dixon, wide receiver, junior, has entered the NCAA transfer portal. 932 yards receiving, three touchdowns, 28 career games. Kyle Whittingham has called him the greatest deep threat in America. But apparently the greatest deep threat in America for somebody else. The smart money would look where, PK? Possibly true north. uh, Maybe, yeah, go ahead. To the north? Right, I mean, he's a high school teammate of Jason Shelley. Uh Aha! He was the high school teammate of Jason Shelley, so we'll see if that plays out. And Kyle made that statement uh, after Shelley's freshman year when he came in at the end. I think it was his redshirt freshman year, and he threw the ball deep to Jalen Dixon a lot. Doesn't seem like he's been utilized since his buddy and his high school teammate, as much utilized anyway, since his buddy and high school teammate uh, didn't play quarterback as much as he did when the Utes won the division for the first time. You know, we need to talk to Dylan Colley about that. And fortunately, former BYU wide receiver Dylan Colley is coming up at 7.30. Uh, 
quarterbacks and the connection they have to some receivers. Maybe you see it a little bit in the pros. I don't think so much. I think you definitely see it in high school and college. Um, you know, when everything was going wrong for the Y, when they just couldn't get out of their own way last Saturday, the one thing they did have is, you know, Dax Milton had a big game, and he's got a connection with the quarterback, you know, and, and how, does, how much does that matter? Why doesn't it happen with a second or third guy the same way? I don't know. It's a question for, uh, question for Dylan coming up. Uh, postponements, Missouri Vanderbilt. Postponed to December 12th. That's the SEC's first postponement. COVID-19 testing there. So they're going to push that game back to December. And Baylor's AD said the Bears football program has 28 cases among players, 14 among the staff. He thinks it's linked to the October 3 road trip to West Virginia. And a false negative that allowed someone who had it to travel. So uh, Baylor's game has been postponed too. So a couple postponements this week. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. The NBA League office is eliminating many restrictions on in-person evaluations and interviews ahead of the NBA draft from October 16th to November 16th. Teams can schedule up to 10 visits, up to four and a half hours with draft-eligible players for the purpose of in-person evaluations, interviews, or medical evaluation, according to a league memo. Each team will be allowed to send three team personnel and one physician to the city where the player resides, well, players may have up to three individuals accompany them. So, small groups, PK, okay, so that they can do their homework for the draft. It won't be what we usually have, and you used to have, you know, 20 people gathering around Walt Perrin, and Walt works for the Knicks now. So it'll be different, but it'll be something. I'm sure the league office was hearing from the, the teams about, hey, we're going to be flying blind here. This is a huge investment. We need something. So as I understand it, the team goes to the player, the player doesn't come to the team? Right. That's what I understand it to be, yes. And then they're limiting the number of people, you know, so in that workout, the player can bring three people. They could have a parent there, they could have an agent there, they could have a, you know, whoever they pick, right? They get to have three people. And then the club's limited on how many people they can bring, so you don't end up with 50 people. Presumably, you know, lowering the odds, there's no perfect, but you know, making the odds a little better and Level in the playing field, and hopefully you don't catch it and spread it. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. McCullers holds to the belt in the pitch. Swing, and he drives one into center field. Back out of the Springer, still going back to the wall. It's gone! The Rays take advantage of the Astros' miscue. And Manuel Margot, in a place he called home, just did the Rays a 3-0 lead with a three-run home run here in the first. Offering to Albies. He cracks one in the air to deep left center field. This one will challenge the wall. This ball is gone. Ozzie Albies gives the Braves a 5-1 lead with his first postseason home run in 2020. There are the highlights as Tampa Bay goes up 2-0 in the ALCS with a 4-2 win over the Astros, and the Braves win game one in the NLCS. They beat the Dodgers 5-1. They hit two homers in a four-run ninth inning. We can start with the first one, Manuel Margot there, the homer. He also had just a crazy catch flipping over the the railing down the right field line and into a walkway tunnel kind of thing. And when you're building the stadium, not like... Not wedging it into some neighborhood in 1930, 
But you got this. Why Why is there a walkway and a railing there? That doesn't make any sense to me. But the former Padre is back in San Diego with a three-run homer in the first and a crazy catch. And he powers them to the win. And with their starting pitching, a three-run lead in the first, PK, that's, that's like a 30-run lead. Well, yeah, with their relief pitching, for that matter, too. Uh, yeah. And they, although they did, uh, the Astros did threaten in the ninth inning, and they put the first two guys on, and then Correa comes up, hits a bullet, one hopper, to second, the second baseman, Lau. It's pronounced uh, Lau, and I think it's spelled like you would pronounce it low. But anyway, he's standing to the left of second base. So in the old days, that would have been a clean single up the middle, but a one-hop candy hop on a hit hard is an easy routine double play. And as I'm watching that game yesterday, I'm thinking – yeah, well, you know, baseball has been criticized because it's either the the strikeout or the walk or the home run. So you got those three things going on there. But why wouldn't you go with the launch angle? Because with these defensive metrics that they have, they can study over a huge amount of evidence where you're likely to hit the ball. And so he hits it right on the button, but the defender is standing right there because they've done all this research. So I can't blame these guys for trying to hit it over the fence because there's no defense over the fence. And they can set you up to where it's hard for you to find a hole because they know after, you know, just in one season, if you're a starter, you're going to get 500, if not 600 at-bats, right? And then you can spring training it too. So going into a season, even if you're coming off a rookie year, they've got so much evidence. So... Unless they change the rule where you have to have two guys on each side of the bag in the infield, we're going to continue to see it because defenses just take it away. So that comes up with the – well, first off, you're right about all the research and what they know. And, you know, analytics are really playing the odds, right? And there's so many standalone moments in a baseball game you can really isolate what's likely to happen. You, you got, like you said, five to 600 at-bats. So that means changing the rules because football has really changed the rules. You know, every decade they're tweaking it and they're changing it. And it's become much more a passing game than a running game. But people don't complain about it because they like it. People complain about baseball because they miss two runners on and a ball in the gap and the crowd roaring and coming into his feet. And, you know, you're checking the outfielder and you're checking the relay and you're checking the base runners and, and, and they miss that. So how does baseball change the rules? You know, do you, do you lower the mound? Do you move the mound back? It's, they've got a limited number of things they can do. Whereas in football, you just keep changing the rules on contact. And that does it. You know, how you defend a wide receiver as a defensive back has changed the game a lot. But I don't know that baseball has anything that handy to tinker with. Well, my good friend, I know you're a soccer guy. But when something is perfect, yeah. it needs no change. <laughs> well, the people don't think it's perfect are the ones complaining about the strikeouts, the walks, and the homers. Right. But you're not going to satisfy them. You're just going to create another set of yep. problems, which, so to speak. Which football has done, man. And the Braves beat the Dodgers 5-1. Uh, is it as simple as not trusting the Dodgers' bullpen, or is it as simple as not trusting the closer? Well, I think that's two things there that uh, go together. Uh, they, they're not sure. They're, you have to have, at this point in the season, usually have an order in a bullpen. 
didn't know what the order is. Uh, Roberts, by his own acknowledgement, is sort of playing it by ear. And then also, too, the Braves' starting pitching and relief pitching, for that matter, has been sensational in the playoffs. I mean, we can crack on the bullpen all we want, but the Dodgers still only scored one run. That's six runs in six games the Braves have allowed. And they did five of them in one game. A game they won, 7-5. to But other than that, it's been all shutouts until this one. So, Game 2, 4 o'clock on Fox Sports 1 for the National League. Uh, And then over in the American League, Game 3 tonight on TBS at 6.40. All right, DJ and PK, it is time to welcome in Gabe Gomez from Syringa Networks. Syringa Networks, home to Complete Telecom and IT Solutions. Gabe, good morning. Good morning, guys. How you all doing? Good. So, Gabe, you are available around the clock, every day of the week, every day of the year. Well, if not you personally. But your company, <laughs> well, around the clock. Well, we will, I'll certainly make myself available as well. But, yeah, we, as an IT and a telecom company, we feel it's important that um, our customers get the, the best possible service uh, available. And uh, we know how critical these uh, types of services, whether it's Internet or phone service or IT solutions or whatever the case, that you have the, the maximum amount of uptime and availability. So uh, we pride ourselves on being highly available to all of our clients. You know, the expression is the phone is ringing off the hook, which is an old-time expression because there's no hook on phones anymore. But <laughs> the, the point is, did everything change for you when people started working from home? I mean, it was a one- to two-week period when it was just the phone just rang nonstop. Yeah, it was a real dramatic change in, in, um, uh, for us. So we saw lots of uh, interest in Internet and better Internet access uh, from people who were our customers to those who to weren't uh, wanted to get more uh, higher touch type services and then also a lot of uh, uh, people having questions about how to integrate uh, remote workforces and how to uh, uh, help with collaboration and make it seem make it a seamless uh, transition from working in the office to working from home I assume that that actually was one of the bonuses that you had to help so many people you know what what was likely to work and not work for different companies because you probably heard a lot of scenarios really quickly yeah, that, that's true. We we did gain a uh, we had we had a fair bit of experience in doing those types of integrations and connecting remote offices and things. And uh, so it wasn't a huge leap for us to be able to uh, consult and coach uh, the various business clients to into that sort of thing. But yeah, we did get a good look at uh, all sorts of different scenarios and setups, and uh, have quite a bit of experience that way. So uh, we're our, our our staff really uh, gained quite a bit from that. So what's the best way for someone who's, uh, you know, the ever-changing world? There are companies that are, are growing and, and altering what they do right now. How should they get a hold of you? What's the best way? Well, the best way is to hit, up, hit us up on our website at www.syringanetworks.net, and there you'll find all sorts of resources, white papers, um, all kinds of information and tips and things of that nature, as well as ways to, to contact us. He's Gabe Gomez. There's Syringa Networks. They're ready to help you as your workforce continues to transition and work from home. Gabe, thanks a lot. Thank you, John. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. What is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690, that's Shamrock Plumbing. Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver, coming up next. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott.
BYU does beat Texas San Antonio. They give up 14 points in the fourth quarter for the Roadrunners to make a game of it. BYU made a bunch of mistakes. I think BYU has more talent, but Texas San Antonio came to play. That was the best team playing at its best that we've seen so far. Texas San Antonio was better than the other teams that BYU has faced. At no point did I think BYU was going to lose. BYU was clearly the better team, but we're talking about a Roadrunner squad that barely beat Middle Tennessee, and that's a horrible football team. Beat them by two. Barely beat Texas State in double overtime. This is not a great football team, and BYU made them look pretty good. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action now. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call Action today at 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. Mention this ad and save yourself 33 bucks. All right, time now to talk college football with Dylan Colley, the former BYU wide receiver. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint come together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Dylan, good morning. Good morning. How are we doing? Good. I'm curious, did you watch that last game and uh, scream at your TV? Snap out of it. <laughs> I, I did. I did. Did it work? Not quite. <laughs> so I was afraid of. <laughs> a lot of things to hit with you, Dylan. I'm wondering a couple of things, you know, how natural is it maybe to have a little bit of a letdown? And then on the other flip side of it, how hard is it to play great football four games in a row? Yeah, it's extremely interesting to see, right, I think it might have been three plays before people started, uh, you know, talking about the overrated talk, talking about, you know, oh, Zach really isn't that great, right? (laughs) Um, It obviously happens all over sports, but, you know, I think we, people really do need to understand it doesn't matter just because, you know, I mean, I, I think people also fail to forget that, UTSA was three and one, um, but you know people are quick to forget that playing four games in a row, winning four straight at the Division One level is a very very difficult thing, and there's going to be bumps in the road. Not every time can your quarterback go twenty four for twenty six. So I think there's uh, two ways to look at this going forward, and one of them is uh, now the guys have to watch film of this. They know what it feels like to struggle on the sideline. They want to make sure it doesn't happen again. It's a positive. And the other thing is uh, it shakes their confidence. They could be rattled if something goes wrong early against Houston. So the the, the mental mind games and all that, how's it going to work for the Cougars? Yeah, I think, I think that will be the big question. I think that's what we'll see next week is if, you know, kind of really where this team stands mentally. They obviously have, right, the maturity. They have the the veteran players. Um, the expectation is for them to bounce back, right, to play a full four quarters. Not perfect, because I think that's what everyone thinks, you know, uh, in order to achieve anything, right, it, they have to be absolutely perfect. But if, you know, 
a lot of questions are going to be answered. If they bounce back and they play extremely well and, you know, they they kind of hand it to Houston and uh, physically, right, dominate physically, dominate mentally, I think you're going to see probably a different BYU team than you've seen in quite a few years. I don't think we've seen a mentally tough BYU team in a while, even when I was part of it, right? Um, teams that can, you know, teams that can go five, six, seven games in a row. So it'll be it'll be an interesting, interesting uh, game Saturday, if, you know, because I think that's what will define the rest of the season. It's funny in that the media, we're asking the same question phrased different ways of Kalani as far as how can the team handle all the hype and all the love. And he's trying to downplay it. And I get that because he thinks it's a potential distraction, although it's a distraction that you would actually like to be in the position of having to downplay, receiving a bunch of attention. But how much do you think that it plays into the players? Like, uh, we're supposed to beat these guys. And then particularly against San Antonio, before the Powell fumble, they just go right down the field. And it looks like they're going to go up 7 nothing two minutes into the game, yeah. just like we thought. So maybe there might have been a let the guard down. And now they got against Houston, and so they should be able to recapture it because they know that they can't let their guard down. So all this stuff that is playing into it, how much does it have an effect? I mean, first of all, I think if you, if, if, right, the, it's, it's always fun to hear, right, because everyone's going to answer. No matter who you ask, you ask someone about hype, right, you ask a coach, you ask a player, they're always going to revert to, you know, uh, we don't think about it, we just need to go out and play, right? That's the cookie-cutter answer. It's what needs to be said. You can't have people yes. thinking that you're just sitting there jumping for joy for a top 25 uh, you know, a top 25 ranking when I think maybe 30 teams are playing, right? Um, so in terms of, you know, how they're kind of accepting it, I do think that there is a level of, hey, we are pretty dang good. We know we're better than we have been in a long time. Uh, but this last week, we, we can't afford to let teams believe that they're in games. That's the way that the conversation needs to be had, right? Not for anyone outside, but for themselves to be able to say, okay, you know, we can't struggle against UTSA. We have Houston next week. We need to make sure we, you know, take it to them pretty good. And then that's what's going to set up the rest of the season so that we can go undefeated. If we want to give ourselves a shot in the final stages, in the opportunity to go to a New Year's Six Bowl, right, we can't let teams like UTSA hang around for very long. So that's, that's one aspect of it. The other is understanding, you know, the level of – they should be competent, right? They are a very good team. They're going to make mistakes. There's going to be things where, you know, they kind of let their guard down a little bit. It happens to every single team every single year. And so those are just kind of expectations you have. It's just a matter of how are you going to bounce back? How are you going to recreate the kind of the dominance that you've had the first four games, no matter the opponent, because a big part of that is the mental aspect of it. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So when the whole team looks like it's running in mud and having some out-of-body experience, for whatever reason, the connection between quarterback and one wide receiver kind of looked normal. 
What, what is it about the connection between a quarterback and a receiver? How does that work? Why does it seem stronger with one receiver than another? Because obviously, you know, Zach Wilson could drop back and throw the ball to Dax Mill and pick up a first down. That that looked normal, even when everything else looked weird. Yeah. I mean, I think I watched uh, my, my obviously my senior year just showing up um, was Dax's, you know, coming in from high school, right? Like that was his first year. And he looked like he had been playing Division One football for at least two or three years um, in terms of his route running ability, in terms of the way he picked up on things mentally. Dax is probably, even in terms of one-on-one, like in terms of one-on-one coverage, um, you know, I think they said on Saturday, right? So it doesn't seem too outlandish. But uh, on Saturday, one of the announcers said that he was the best route runner that he's seen in college football today. Right, I genuinely believe that in one-on-one coverage, there's not many, maybe two or three receivers that I've ever seen or ever played with that are as good against man-to-man coverage as Dax Mill. Dax Mill is one of the nastiest receivers I've ever seen. Um, and so you have the aspect of him being a phenomenal receiver. You have the aspect of him and Zach are best friends. Right, I think that's the largest part of it. You look at all the great connections. Uh, no matter who you are, no matter what you are, no matter you know uh, how long you've been married, uh, when you're playing football and you're a receiver, you your quarterback is everything to you. Um, and so I think you know their relationship is a huge aspect of that success, and you're going to continue to see that. So when you played then, did you get the quarterback birthday gifts? Oh, I mean, you get the you get the quarterback roost, Chris. You get the quarterback. <laughs> if the quarterback asks you to do something, you're doing it. Uh, if there is one thing, right, and and that that was always, no matter what, the quarterback is the most important person in your life. <laughs> okay, what's what's the best slash craziest thing you ever did for a quarterback? Well, I, I think the, the simple fact that uh, I, my, my wife and I lived about two steps from our quarterback. Uh, Any time that they came, like it was like you know, nine o'clock, nine thirty at night, newly married, and if the quarterback called, like it was a go. And I think that was difficult for my wife at first to understand. <laughs> like, why do you always choose him over me? And it's like, well, hopefully one day this will pay off. In the short term, it paid off. In the long term, I think my wife's just glad to have me as a, a normal husband. <laughs> so what's your confidence level that this team will bounce back against Houston? Do I think they'll win? Yes. Am I, it, will I say my biggest concern, right, is how they win? Absolutely. Right. Like it will be like, that's what I'm saying. This will be the most determining factor because of what's happened in the past. It's kind of like, Oh, we felt the high for so long. Right. Are we strong enough to truly bounce back and stay consistent or do we fall to the music and 
right now every game is the struggle. We turn it back into the USS, right? We turn it into the Toledos. Um, all of these, you know, all of those games from last year that BYU should have were in a phenomenal position to win. They should have won by a lot more. And unfortunately, right in the last few minutes, it just couldn't put it together. Uh, and a huge part of that is mentally. So I think that that is hands down my biggest concern. So I watched the Houston-Tulane game, the only game Houston has played so far. I don't know if you saw some part, all of it, some clips and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Houston looks like they got a ton of team speed. They look like they were playing their first game against a team that had uh, you know, played several games. For 20 minutes, it was a mess, and you couldn't take anything away from it other than Houston can't hold on to the ball. And then something clicks in, they settle down, and they dominate the last 40 minutes and outscore them 42-7. to But there was no, uh, you know, they were spreading the ball around to a lot of receivers. I think only one receiver had more than 50 yards receiving. No running back ran for 60 yards. Uh, what kind of field did you get out of Houston? What did you take away from that, that game, if you saw a bunch yeah. of it? No, I think, I think one of the most important things about Houston is that they're always going to have the speed. They're always going to have the athleticism, right? No matter what happens with Houston, you're always going to see points put up on the board um, because that's just the way the offense works, right? Uh, I want to be careful in right my confidence towards Houston. Simply, you know, to be honest, after, after Troy's first game, right, I thought Troy – uh, was going to give us a little bit more of a, um, a lot more of a run, right, than, than they actually did. And I think a lot of that's based on the opponent. A lot of that is based on, uh, I think, BYU has kind of set themselves up to be kind of the, the big man on campus. Um, people feel that they need to change the way that they play because they're just playing the three down front. Um, you know, and so... Do I think does Houston have the ability to beat BYU 100%? Right. It's just a matter of if they're going to get into their own heads, if they're going to execute. Their defense is not great, never has been, never will be. Um, and if BYU's defensive backs can, you know, shut Houston's receivers down in the same way that they shut down Khalil Jenkins from from Troy, right? Uh, I don't. I don't think that there should be a problem. Um, but there's obviously a lot of proponents to that. Well, Dylan, we appreciate a uh, few minutes. Our condolences to your wife. I'm glad she finally got you in line, got that all figured out. And uh, enjoy the game, and we'll talk to you again next week. No question. Thanks, fellas. Dylan Colley, former BYU receiver, joining us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up, Chris Lowe, ESPN College football senior writer at 8.30. Stay with us, DJ and PK. The question of the day. We we got multiple questions today. We will get to them next. Stay with us. Join the big show Friday from 2 to 7 at the Warehouse, 86 East University Parkway in Orem. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! PK, you got multiple questions up at Facebook, and there are some hilarious answers to some of these. Uh, how insufferable are Laker fans? Champions again after a decade. <laughs> Bugs Yak. Yeah, Yak just arched his eyebrows. Yak, have you been dealing with Laker fans in Utah County? Well, I've BYU kind of, peeps relocating from Southern California. Kind of have all of my in-laws are all California natives. Aha! Uh-huh. Oh, so, yeah. 
I want to say, just put me on the record, I hate all folks who moved from California <laughs> and retain their Laker fandom. Oh, boy, my in-laws are going to be texting me. <laughs> hate them with a passion ever since they were born. Get out of here. It's awesome because... We need you to convert. <laughs> it's awesome because... You may have seen some stuff on social media over time about how DJ and PK are just here to manipulate the rivalry and stir the pot. The question is, how insufferable are Laker fans? The answers are, beyond words, bandwagon to the core, very similar to BYU fans. Well, that didn't take long. That oh, was, we circled right back. That was, uh, let's see, third sentence. It was uh, two or six. It was about the 10th word before we saw BYU pop up. Uh, and then Shane, about as bad as the elitist Ute fans. Derek, not worse than BYU fans. Darren, about as bad as BYU fans. <laughs> uh, you just establish how bad Ute and Cougar fans are, and then you compare everything and measure everything to that, PK. It's a pretty simple recipe. Well, actually, in our market, in our state, it's a good comparison depending on which point of view you're taking because it's something that if you're red, you can relate to against the blue and then vice versa. So in this case, yeah, I get it because it does resonate. And, and I think that if, you, if you're somebody like, well, really the both of us, maybe more so me than you because you had a BYU connection with the Aztecs. I didn't. I just had a BYU connection of watching them on television, uh, watching Detmer play uh, and and seeing them. They seemed to be on a lot, right, and they seemed to throw the ball. So I didn't have any uh, emotion one way or the other towards them. Uh, I liked the way they played football. And Lavelle, uh, Lavelle, excuse me, Lavelle Edwards seemed like a funny guy and seemed like uh, he was a player's coach. You know, he had... Uh, when I'm living in California in the 80s and we're getting the advent of cable television, so their games are on, in, certainly in my part of the country, uh, living in Arizona and then over in California, you're seeing them. Uh, but my point is, then when you move here, even if you don't have a personal vested interest in the rivalry, you end up having an interest because, if for me, you see it, and obviously I'm a sports guy. I have been my whole life fortunate enough to make a money in the sports business. But even if I was a teacher or what have you, I still would be just as interested in sports. It's just who I am. And you can't help but take notice of this rivalry because it is so prevalent in, in, in your neighborhoods, right? And so you grow to respect the rivalry. And then you look at it, and it's an easy thing to take Laker fandom, and really any fandom for that matter, and compare it to the fan base that you despise. You see what I'm saying? Yes, I think that's, uh, <clears throat> that's a pretty easy uh, jump to make, a pretty easy comparison to make. I think the thing that the Utes and Cougars have, just because you know they're 45 minutes apart, the thing the Lakers have, because there's so many California transplants, Everywhere, and this is definitely what got me um, informed about BYU and really built the rivalry in San Diego. The team has to be really good, and you lose to them a lot. And then on top of that, you lose to them a lot while their fans celebrate in your building. 
arena, stadium, you know, whatever the sport. And there's something yeah. about walking out, you know, your hopes are high, and then you walk out with 40,000 of your fellow fans beaten again, while 10,000 of their fans go nuts. Now, the numbers are a little different at a jazz game, but jazz fans know this feeling. 15, 16, 17,000 no, of you. Is still the same. Yeah, walk out, while two or 3,000 of their fans celebrate like crazy. And it just bugs yeah, you. They're freaking it, Laker jerseys. Right. Right. Yeah. And oh, I think yeah, the yeah, fact yeah. that they You're put in so, my territory. Right, right. And all the fans in the WAC or the Mountain West, you know, BYU fans are always there. Now, in Independence, they're still there. BYU hasn't won at the clip because you can't really sustain the clip that they won at in the 80s. Uh, but, but because they're occasionally four-year, but mostly two-year deals, it doesn't have a chance to ramp up. You know what happens one time that's not as big a deal? But when you're walking out of the building after the fifth time or the tenth time, and that's why the deal that uh, Tom Holmes signed with Boise State and the deal that's already existed with Utah and Utah State, it's why I think we savor those games so much. Because those three fan bases all know. They've all felt it. There's two things I really want to say. I know we got to go to break. And one is that I think the fact that Utah has gotten so much better has actually increased the rivalry. I think the rivalry could have faded a little bit. I think it was more one-sided. I'm not sure that BYU fans and BYU as a football team had the rivalry with Utah that Utah had with uh, BYU. It's just like Utah tries to claim right now that they have a rivalry with SC. Well, join the crowd. The line starts over there, <laughs> and it goes all the way back to Terre Haute if you think you got a rivalry with uh, SC because everybody thinks they have a rivalry with SC in the conference. And I can speak through 40 years of experience and working in three markets that Pac-10 slash 12 has been involved in, and I've been involved in it professionally in three different markets in Phoenix and Los Angeles and now here. And Secondly, I think Laker fans coming into the Jazz Arena is far, far worse than BYU fans going into Jack Murphy Stadium or wherever because I think most fans of the other team, as particularly in the West, they get full well that BYU is going to have a fair amount of fans in that particular stadium because of the church affiliation. There's plenty of people who think yeah, either they're hardcore BYU and it's because of the LDS connection, or they're casual, hey, BYU's in town, let's go to the game. Uh, but they understand in the West that because of the religious affiliation, you're going to have that, whereas when those Laker fans show up in downtown Salt Lake City wearing their Laker gear, that is far more a punch to the gut because it isn't some affiliation that they have religiously. It's almost to a point of a sense of duty. It's true actual fandom i'm not sure every byu fan who shows up and when byu plays on the road has true byu fandom some of it at least a portion of it it's because you're the same religion and they're your they're your school your religion school whereas in lakerville it is you are a laker fan to the core and that gets under jazz fans skin as it should because it irritates the living crap right out of me DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So the question is, how long do we have to put up with it? Is that something that's really going to 
bug you in the long run, or is this kind of fleeting and the whole competitive balance thing will take care of itself? We will get to that coming up, DJ and PK. Also on the way, more college football, Chris Lowe, ESPN college football senior writer, is going to join us at 8.30. Gabe Gomez, Syringa Networks, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, We hear a lot about people working from home. Is it really overblown or the way your phones are going and the way you're getting web traffic? Is it absolutely true? It's absolutely true. There's more and more uh, of the workforce working from home these days. And that brings down a whole host of, uh, of issues in terms of being able to keep your employees productive and then also keeping probably your most valuable asset secure, which is your data. And so that's where we come into play, where we can help uh, companies uh, be able to, to deploy their their, their workers within the home and be able to do this in a secure fashion as well. So uh, there are people working, you know, with uh, companies in different time zones, sometimes different continents and all that, people who like to work in the morning, people who like to work at night. You know, not everyone's tech savvy. Can you help with that around the clock? Indeed, yeah. We offer a full customer service and support, uh, 7 by 365 uh, No matter where you're at, we offer global services as well in regards to being able to connect people uh, wherever they're at on, on the planet. So that coupled with our customer service means that uh, you'd be able to to uh, have around-the-clock operations if that's that's what your business calls for. He's Gabe Gomez. You can reach him online, syringanetworks.net. Syringanetworks.net. He can help you and your employees work from home. Gabe, thanks a lot. Thank you. Syringanetworks.net.